You're listening to Screeners and Dailies, part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. All right, guys, it's a, it's a special week. You just hopefully you've just listened to. Uh, uh, when did that come out with August of 86 with Stand By Me? Well, you know, because we know it's been a little bit of time between episodes. We wanted to come back with something else, a little bit something a little bit different to uh, just to keep things going here. So, uh, William and Charlie here, we're back. We're going to be talking, we're going to be doing something special, something we haven't, we've, we've done what we're going to do on this show off air plenty of times. It's a fun road trip game. If you've got people that like movies, that like to talk about movies, actors, and things of that nature make lists, this is going to be for you. This is called Hit Pack and Miss Pack. That's what we're going to be getting into real soon. So, Charles, how are you? You doing well? Yeah, doing good. Doing good. I mean, technically, if people are listening to this, they just heard us, you know, who knows when, who knows when Stand By Me was recorded. It's not like that oh, could no, have been recorded months ago. It. I was listening to it last night. We referenced something, and I'm like, "What? When did we record that?" Like it was, it was something that hadn't happened that happened a while ago. Right. Uh, <laughs> I just can't remember what it was. I was like, "What is that? August?" So yeah, <laughs> you know? if you've been listening to the when did that come out? Like it's 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 really oh. shouldn't come to as a shock that they've been they we recorded all of that season, I and mean, we call it a season. We recorded all those in one batch to to release. And Charlie, you're doing them once a week, right? uh, Right. You know, and to see if we could keep up with a a consistent schedule. Yeah. And uh, I do want to point out something because I I need to rectify something that I had said on the Aliens podcast. Uh, We had recorded that before Alien Covenant came out, and I seemed fairly optimistic about that movie uh, while we were recording Aliens. I have to say, uh, I was dead wrong. That movie is terrible. And I just wanted to rectify that <laughs> real quick. Well, God dang, it's been stricken from the records. It's been stricken from the record. It's a non-factor. N- non-factor. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking a lot, too, about what we want to do with this. Because we originally, in conceiving this Real Change movie podcast, we're like, all right, so this will be fun. Charlie had always envisioned having his show this... Or, some type of concept like when did that come out something along that lines that's what it ended up becoming and that's been great that's been a great time to go mm-hmm. through that entire the entire calendar year uh, just it, and it's fun because you you kind of feel the month that you're in with each movie you kind of feel it along with it like oh this this feels like a July movie or this feels like a February movie in the case of FX or something like that and then we had screeners and dailies which was going to be like all right well we can look at What's going on currently with movies and movie news, things of that nature? And that's that's fine, except there's a big problem. Like, I don't get to go to the movies very often anymore. You know, it's most of you or some of you, there are some there. I guarantee you there are listeners that have families, children, thing of that, things of that nature. It is hard as hell, especially when they are both at two years and under to go out and do anything. So... I just got to a point where I was like, God dang, man, what what the heck am I going to be talking about with current movies without regurgitating just somebody else's crap if I'm not seeing the movies? So we're 
we're almost with when did that come out we're in august so we have a few months left in that we're going to be still coming back with a few more of these types of episodes we're going to be trying some different things i'm kind of I hate to call them games because it's not really a game. It's just fun, fun ways to talk about movies of the past and things of that right. nature. So uh, the goal is once we are through with the 1986, this is all kind of season one of screeners and dailies and the 1986 batch of when did that come out? We're going to be moving into that next round of when did that come out? We're going to be going with another year. Have we already said at this point, Charlie, what year? Uh, yes. Well, I, I believe I have, uh, 1994. Okay. So, which is yeah. my favorite year, I believe, in all of cinema. I, 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 I think I can say that. What we're going to do is every episode, starting with that January, they're all going to be when did that come out. That's going to be pretty much the Real Change Movie Podcast, is going to be that, that's going to be basically like a season two, is going through that entire 12-month calendar year. Of 94. And hopefully, and I think with the list that you've got are, are some movies that either A, we haven't seen, or B, haven't seen in a very long time. Right. It's a, it's a cool idea because, like I said, it's pound for pound, probably my favorite year in all the movies. But we're not picking movies that we've strictly seen. Like, there's tons of movies that came out that year that I never got around to. So, and, and, and that'll be, that'll be fun to go into. Of course, we, you know, we'll, we'll most assuredly discuss movies that we've seen you know, that the, the we really like. But, uh, you know, the, the goal is to kind of try to branch out a little bit. It gives us an excuse to look at things that we either didn't have time for or we just overlooked. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And that's that's where we kind of, that's what we're going to be kind of sticking to, to a little bit more is like, I think the way we like to talk about movies has to do with stuff that we've seen in the past, like discussions around, I don't, I, I even hate to say nostalgic because that just sounds like that, that, uh, that sometimes carries a weird connotation with it, but it is like our best conversations about movies between the two of us are around movies that have come out, they've been out, movies we've come back to, movies we grew up with, actors we grew up with. So that was just something that I wanted to kind of bring to the attention. Here. We're still going to be having like you know, uh, as we're finishing up that 1986 season of of when did that come out? We're still going to be having a few more of these types of episodes. We'll see. Maybe we'll do another hit pack and miss pack if this works. So I don't see why not. I remember when we were driving back from that Guns N' Roses concert. This was uh, this dominated the conversation in the car. Was was hit pack miss pack because <laughs> for the most part you can plug in anybody. Now there's some people that are harder than others if you haven't seen a lot of their things. Like like uh, trying to think like if you if you throw Stanley out... Tucci. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tucci Beethoven easily. You know, oh. The Pelican Brief. Oh God! See, that's the thing with Stanley Tucci. I forget what movies he's in. Oh you yeah, know, I, I can think of like three or four off the top of my head. But then it's like, yeah, he was in the Pelican Brief. Dude, he's and, a Tucci is a monster in Undercover Blues. Right, Undercover Blues. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the strangest performances. <laughs> I love that movie. My mom loved it too. God, yeah. that's a fun movie. It's not great because I think it's the same director as uh, Steel Magnolias. I think it's Herbert Ross. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. It's uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting movie. I'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah, I, it, it's strictly fun. Not not a lot else to take away from it. Although, like, it's one of the last times I remember Kathleen Turner doing a movie and still, you know, I don't know. Looking like Kathleen Turner? There we go. 
There we go. I just want, you know, I wanted to wanted to come in for a soft landing. You're just like, nah, just drop the X-Wing right into the frickin' swamp. <laughs> <laughs> so so the basic concept of Hitpack Mispack was always, um, you know, when we would go into Walmart and there would be like a pack of movies for an actor. And it, and it never failed. There was always one or two that you're like, why would they put that in the pack? Like, those are not good movies. What's the name of the the, the the quintessential what is is it just called movie four pack what is what's that well, one the, it used to be called it was called four film favorites that's it okay and th- th- that was kind of misleading because they would sometimes put a whole, a whole franchise in there you know or half of a franchise like i remember the police academy movies had like two volumes <laughs> and you're like i'm pretty sure like even at best like the first four movies are barely film favorites but then you got like five what uh like five six seven and then like well there's no part eight and you're like well, uh, put Car 54, where are you on there? You know, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, you can plug in Reno 911, the movie, and you're fine. Yeah, there's things, yeah, oh, you're much better off. Like, there's things like that. Like, I remember they did one for Naked Gun, and the fourth movie was wrongfully accused. Of, why not? You're like, mm. you want, well, you're, you're going to buy it. You know, <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, like, like, like I said, they're like franchises. Like I remember I had uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that way. But I also had, you know, like there was one that Stallone did. I remember it was like Tango and Cash, Over the Top, Demolition Man and The Specialist. And uh, yeah, it was like there's like two or three pretty good movies in there. And then there's one that's just oh, that was a bomb. descending order is what you just gave that. It pretty much was descending order. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. Because because that's kind of like the artistry of the hit pack mess pack is you, you can't have two awful movies you have to have one awful movie and one movie that you just don't really care for all that much <laughs> like and because you're right some like the, a hit pack like so there there are plenty of guys you walk in like you walk in there you see a pack like oh my god that is perfect that is a great pack that is four movies i would absolutely watch of an actor but then there are times like you would i, I remember the 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 one that started the this whole thing for me was Clint Eastwood because absolutely that's the, where I was going. Next. Oh my God. Like it <laughs> I, was, I had all those packs. It, it was just such a mediocre group of movies. And it was like, unless you're like a real Eastwood Mark and like, or you're just tricked by posters. Cause most of the posters look all right, but you have yeah, a great, <laughs> if you're just tricked by that stuff, then this is for you. So the, that it kind of became the precipice of, can you build, what can you build your ultimate hit pack? for an actor that you think would that you think would be that people would pick up or b or and b you create what we call a mispack we had another word for it it's not family friendly that's okay you could you build the quintessential oh you had me and i but i just don't know if i can buy this because most of these movies are bad they're just not good they're a miss right yeah uh like off the top of my head i remember um one of those Eastwood packs was like, play Misty for me. And you're like, sure. Yeah. And that's the right. first movie he directed. That's really good. But then it gets like a little strange, like with the Iger sanction. There you go. And, <laughs> and the beguiled. And, and I think the last one was Coogan's bluff. And you can and sub then, oh, in oh, any number. The Western pack that I used to have. Oh, we used to crank that out a lot. When yeah. We lived together. It was uh high plains drifter, uh, two mules for sister, Sarah, and Joe Kidd, I think the I think it was just a three pack, but it was like, ah, you know, it's it's not. The it's okay. See, Western, exactly. But... That's exactly the reaction. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, that's what you want. Yeah, yeah. And like, you could sub out any one of those for Hang 'Em High. 
you know absolutely i had to buy that individually you know but but yeah hang them high like uh, exactly like, high plains drifter is like the, the is like the good movie eastwood yeah, has like, that's so like. many like he will be one we will have to do and we'll have to challenge ourselves not to do that pack because it'd be it, it'd be easy just to go with that eastwood is a guy easily from the 70s and 80s has a ton of mediocre to bad movies and then he's got plenty like there are at least a few in the 90s that you can pick from. So, a few? Yeah. <laughs> one that's deceiving. Now, one I will say up front that I found very deceiving, that on the surface it's like, oh, slam dunk, it's easy to create a mispack, but it was actually really hard was Kevin Costner. It's really no, hard. Like, see, well, I think with Eastwood it would be hard because it's, you know, he did cop movies, but he did westerns and he did romance movies, and it's like, you know how many? How much do I want to pull from each? Uh, Kevin Costner, I, I think I would have a difficult time. Not so much with the misses. I, I think I could hit the misses pretty hard. <laughs> we had. And, uh, I'm trying to remember. Him, like, but... if you go back and listen, uh, you'll have to find on our other feed. It's on the New Blood Rising podcast. Is where we did that podumentary where we drove to Atlanta, like you were saying, to the Guns and Roses show and came back. I remember the Eastwood, or I'm sorry, the Costner one was difficult. We got through it, but it was not as easy as we thought. Like, Well, th- a, a problem with Costner, I find, is that a lot of the movies that he gets a lot of flack for, I actually really like. Yeah. Um, whether it's Waterworld or The Postman, I like both of those movies. I always have. Uh, not to say that I like everything. I mean, I mean, man, like off the top of my head, do you remember that movie he did in Charleston? Yes. Uh, the New Daughter? Yeah. Uh, I did see that. That is that is god awful. Dragonfly, another one. It, Dragonfly, terrible, terrible. But yeah. yeah, just really bad, really bad. Um, and you know, the two thousands is kind of odd for him because it's really the two thousands where he loses that movie star quality. I and think he, you know, and, isn't and it comes out with like swing vote. I think we're gonna find like the more we do these that like a lot of the actors we really liked took a dive in the two thousands. Like they did. Well, look like, at Mel Gibson. Yeah, I mean even right. Kurt Russell. Like yeah, Kurt Russell kind of kind of takes the decade off for a while. It seems like he's not really in it that much, as at least for at least for a lot of like feature theatrical films. He's just I think not his big movie. Yeah, yeah, in the two thousands was a Miracle. I think that was probably the the the, bit, the best thing he did that decade. Oh, dude, Sky but High or Dreamer, Dreamer. No, 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 no. Three thousand miles from <laughs> Dude, that movie's awesome. Well, I, it, wow, it, it's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll, I'll give it that. I remember going to see. What it was the Ice T thinking? What was the plan? <laughs> he wants that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> that's that's all I remember from his character. I'm like, what an odd quirk. You know, if if your character's not interesting enough, just make him quirky. Right. <laughs> Worst plan ever. If you watch that movie, watch what his plan is at the end. It is oh, yeah, dumb. It's, I don't get it either. I do remember that. Just like, oh, all right. right. Best of luck. Best of luck to you, pal. So we thought, okay, if we're going to do this, let's kind of start off. Let's let's kick it up hot right out of the gates. So today we're going to do a hit pack and a miss pack for Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, two guys who are considered, if if you did a Mount Rushmore, there's a good chance that one or both are going to be on it for male actors. Easily. Mm-hmm. Easily. But what's deceptive, which it's not really that deceptive, it's a fact. Both guys kind of are jobbing it out over the last 10 years, really jobbing it. They have put together as good a resume 
of bad movies and mediocre movies as they did excellent, critically acclaimed movies earlier in their career. And that's what's going to be the fun challenge today is to build for each of us the quintessential like hit pack and miss pack for both of these guys. So, Charlie, which one should we start with? Do you, you feel De Niro start or Pacino start? I'm feeling Pacino. I, I just, I, and not that I want to get it out of the way, but I think a little bit more discussion has to go to Pacino, at least on my end. That's um, good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's more to talk about there. Let's, it, it was hard. It's harder for me to come up with a pack for Pacino than it is for De Niro. I th- and I, I think we both have agreed off air. We were talking like Miss Pack. The Miss Packs are the more fun ones, so we should leave those for second. We should start oh, with the, the hit pack because that's a little bit more straightforward, I guess. But go ahead and kick it off, man. What's your hit pack for Pacino? Four hit <clears throat> movies. Four. Like, if I have to do four hit movies for Al Pacino, I, off like immediately. It's uh, the first. My first choice is Godfather. It has to be the first one. I, I know a lot of people prefer the second one, but I've, I honestly, as much as I like the second one, I find his performance very one note in the second movie. It's kind of like, uh, you know, once once he, he, he commits that crime in the first movie in the restaurant, um, killing the police officers, he becomes a completely different character. And that's kind of the character that he plays all throughout The Godfather Part Two. Like, I like the range that he showed in the first movie. And... And he he just he's just wonderful in it. And I what was the deal with the Oscars with that where um, Marlon Brando was nominated for Best Actor and he was nominated for Supporting? Yeah. Isn't that what it was? It was. Yeah, it was and he just won. Complete. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it just it should have been flipped because he he really did, does carry that movie even though it's a wonderful cast. Um, so yeah, I, I go with The Godfather. Go ahead and go and do all yours. I think that'd be fine. All, all yeah. of them? Oh, yeah. sure, sure. Um, I I have to throw in what I think was his final good performance, which unfortunately was about 15 years ago. Um, Christopher Nolan's remake of Insomnia. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I definitely put Insomnia uh, second. Didn't like it when I first saw it. Many, you know, when I was like a teenager, but over time, I've really grown an appreciation for that movie. A lot of it's Robin Williams. Robin Williams is yes, what really too. carries that. Yeah, he's an excellent villain, and then that kind of kickstarted the whole Robin Williams playing a villain uh, part of his career. You know, he he did that for a while, and it was you know a little unnerving, you know, because this was like you know this was like your childhood hero growing up, and you know he he plays a sadistic psychopath in in a lot of the movies that he did in the two thousands. What do you think was the better movie, that or One Hour Photo from that year? Well, it depends on or like from a movie standpoint. Just for Robin Williams, villain villainous performance oh, oh robin williams the best villain robin williams ever played is Cy the photo guy in one hour photo and but i don't think i don't think it's a better movie that's one where like i, I know on the service it's like oh he easily should have won an oscar it's like dude look at the competition that year no that's a difficult year to crack like you really gotta like that that's a year of uh it's well it's d-day for um gangs in new york the winner was uh, was Adrian Brody for The Pianist, but you had Nicholson for About Schmidt. You had Cage for Adaptation, Michael Caine for The Quiet American. It, it was a tough group to crack into. Like, it, it, it would be it would be hard because each of those performances is just so darn good. I You may not agree with The Pianist winning, but it was a really good performance, a, a nominatable mm-hmm. performance nevertheless. I just think about that when you talk about Insomnia because Williams is really the shining light in that movie that really, I think, elevates it very, very well. But Pacino brings it, brings the heat. 
yeah, he's got a, he's got a great um, backstory in the movie with being a dirty cop and and trying and tr- basically trying to find redemption, basically before his death. Like, I've, I've, it's a it's an interesting movie. I really like it. Um, if I had to go with another one, I'd probably. I know it's overdone, but it's such it's, he's so iconic in the movie. I, I just can't ignore it. I really love him in Scarface. I do. Like no, the the way that pop culture has kind of embraced the movie in a weird way is is kind of off putting. You know, because it's not the movie that I remember seeing when I was a kid. Like, oh, you know, like I'll, I'll wear that as a jacket. You know, but I think Pacino is excellent in that movie, and he, he's he's given a lot of good work to do. And finally, oh, boy, I, this is this is hard. This is really hard. Um, God. I really don't know. It's kind of a toss up between like three or four movies. But if off the top of my head, if I have to pick one, probably, probably, probably any given Sunday. I want, I probably would say that I'm, I'm, I'm not wild about the movie, but he is incredible. Oh man, dude, the greatest film. sports speech ever in a movie. Yes, it's it's really that speech. You take Ugh. that speech out of the movie, I can probably give it to something else. Well, and yeah, and I but... I heard I heard another podcast break this down, so I'm not going to completely rip the bit, but at least like bring up a good point that they made. You takes like Oliver Stone kind of ruins a lot like the performances in this movie to a degree, not completely, but like you take well, the for example, is brutal. Yeah. Take, for example, that scene. There's that awesome scene where Pacino's uh, cooking jambalaya for, for Jamie Foxx. And this is where things really come to a head between the quarterback and the coach. And it, it would be fine if we just saw these two actors, which you and I talked about earlier at this nexus point. One is pretty much at the end of their great, their, I can say their golden years, but like this is pretty much the end of their modern good era. And the other guy is on the up, obviously, in Jamie Foxx. And the problem is... Instead of just shooting this and editing this like a normal scene, we're cutting to like Ben Hur and gladiators in the sky, and I mean all this other stuff that's going on, it, rather than just focusing on the actors. And it really it detracts a little bit from it. And somehow though, like the 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 shining light of that movie is is definitely Pacino. There are other good performances in there, but God dang. His uh, his coach D'Amato, like I mean, you. That's why the the ending for him is fantastic. How he he gets one over on everybody when they think like he's done. It's perfect. It's such a, it's a great performance, man. That's a really good pick, just because ninety nine. He he really goes all out, and he really hasn't been the same with the exception of Insomnia, like you said since. Yeah, those are the last two for me. Okay, yeah, so you. So you've got Godfather, Scarface, Any Given Sunday, and Insomnia. See, that's a solid pack, and here's why. Because you have Scarface and Godfather, which are iconic. So you're easily, if you see this in the store, you're like, yep, all right. You know, I, I, I don't own one or both of these. Get them together, perfect. Any Given Sunday, it's a football movie. That's, you know, if nothing else, if I haven't seen it, it's like, all right, cool. I can deal with that. The insomnia pick is fascinating because I guarantee you most people, not as many people have seen that maybe as we think. It's pro- I'm willing to bet it's the least seen Christopher Nolan movie after, uh, you know, starting with Memento. I'm willing to bet that that's or, the case. Or okay, starting with, I was going to say following is probably. Yeah, following is right before. And, and of course, that, that would be the least seen movie. Yeah. But yeah. I don't, I don't really, I don't really count that. 
All right, so if I'm to start, I got to. St I'm starting in '73 with Serpico for my hit pack. Uh, I think, God dang man, Serpico, and and I'm I'm actually gonna couple this with my next one. That's 1975 Dog Day Afternoon. The there you er go. Early Pacino is uh, is a revelation to watch if all you've known is just sent from Sen of a Woman on Pacino. It's a completely different actor who. Didn't smoke nearly as many cigarettes as he would in the 80s, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> to get to where he's at now. But his scenes in both movies, like, he really does, like... And, and you see it in Godfather as well. You do see it in, in his performance in Godfather, a little bit in Godfather 2, where it's like, he's not exploding with all this emotion. It's it's under the surface, and it's boiling. And you can see it in his nonverbals, and it's excellent. Serpico's great because it's like, how far... like. You believe in justice, but are you willing to be despised by your peers because you go so far for justice? You know, that's that 70s group, man. Like, I mean, that's a whole other podcast you could get into. It's all about 70s, like the content of 70s films. God dang, some of the stuff they were getting into. You know, they're all, not all hits, but the hits are iconic. The ones that come out of there. It's just interesting content material. Dog Day, what's amazing, it's like, it's not... They're holding this bank up, and what a lot of times gets mis like forgotten about is why they're doing it. And what's yeah. great is, it's not even for Pacino. It's not he's he's actually just like the greatest friend ever, I guess. You know, <laughs> he's willing. Yeah, to the greatest friend ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, and both of those are Sidney LeMay movies, and LeMay and Pacino. That's a one of those. I'm going to say, I, I shouldn't say underrated because it gets a lot of credit, but it definitely, like, it's not up there with, like, Scorsese, De Niro in terms of having the, I guess, the the name value of it. But their their combination of work together is fantastic. Again, that early Pacino is something to behold, just as more of a soft-spoken guy ready who, who picks, in, picks his moments to explode a lot better than he would later. Now, uh, I'm going to jump to 95. And actually, this is... It's a spoiler alert. This is going to be for both guys, for both De Niro and Pacino's. Oh, I I have heat. It. I have heat. <laughs> I I debated this, and I ended up pulling the trigger on it because I'm like, they're both so good in it. And even though it's like heat is a weird like, he could very easily fall into the the. It very easily can be criticized for having too much going on. It's got a lot of side. They got a lot of D plots, E plots going on, you know, things that aren't necessarily maybe important to the to the main plot of it. But the driving force of both of this cop and this criminal and where they're headed and how they're they're just destined to intersect with each other. It's that that scene, of course, like even though you never see them in the same shot really together, that scene in the coffee shop or in the diner or restaurant, whatever is awesome it just crackles because this is what this is what the whole movie was built around was just seeing these two guys together and they just each give a a really strong performance even though like i there there's that point in the 90s where pacino's just he's going to kind of give you the same thing but if he does what you want him to do at the right time versus all the time it works um and then i'm gonna skip ahead to 99 I'm a, the other movie from 99 that he knocked out of the park with is the insider and oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The Insider is tricky, too, because it's like, oh, that's more of a Russell Crowe movie. Well, you can get into splitting hairs with that. But, like, th that movie is – that movie really rests a lot on Pacino as well because 
it's all about him coaxing. Like a lot of his good, like a lot of his performances from like 92 on, like he's trying to manipulate people and it may be with like good intentions, but nevertheless, even if it's with nefarious intentions, like it kind of is in Glengarry Glen Ross, like he's trying to manipulate people. And you hear, when you see Pacino, oh, I'm trying to, oh, I want you to buy this piece of land. Oh, oh, like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's fun to hear. And so when you see him working Russell Crowe to like spill his guts, do the story, you know, that's that first half of the movie. And it's great just to see like, how's he, he's reached an obstacle. How's he going to overcome it? And seeing Pacino work again with Michael Mann, it, that was fun to watch. And that second half of the movie when it's all about, okay, can we get the story out there? And who's stopping us on the corporate end from getting the story out there and how he has to battle the system. It really harkens back to that 70s Pacino with a lot of his movies where it's a man against the system. So it really was that, that year, like he really did kind of bring back a little bit of the magic of the 70s with it. Insider's awesome. Like it really is. And a lot of it is Crow. I won't get, I can't eat as much as I give Pacino credit for the movie, like Russell Crowe. Like if, if there's, if there's one of the movies he didn't win an Oscar for that he should have, it's probably the insider. Uh, he is just so darn good in it. And it's really a shame that like after pretty much after 2000 or 2001, it was like, eh, Russell Crowe apparently is irritated enough people where we, you know, kind of forget about his movies. So, yeah. <laughs> So Charlie, the Miss Pack. This is the fun part. How where, how do you want to start off Pacino in the Miss Pack? Oh man, oh man. Okay, so the Miss Pack. <clears throat> like you gotta. I mean, they can't be awful. Well, I mean, they can be, but there's got to be something in there that's like, ah, eh, this was a miss. But I mean, it's not the worst thing. Um, and I'd probably. Uh, this is going to be weird. I don't hate this movie. I just hate that it's such a missed opportunity. And it's so disappointing. And that's Righteous Kill. Bingo. Righteous <laughs> Kill, which was, which was, you know, I like that we go from, um, you know, you mentioning Heat, which was like the first movie where they, I guess they share on screen time together in that one scene. I don't really know exactly how that worked out in Heat. But, you know, like, like they're on the screen together. But I, I read these conflicting reports that, that, you know, they were shot separately. Yeah, it, I've it seen that too. Like, yeah, yeah, I, and I've, I've never heard that confirmed, and that that was kind of a downer. Now, one thing that, for but, sure in the movies, you never see their both their faces in the same shot. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. And it's like, well, it's like they were shooting basically two different movies. Yeah. So yeah, it's whatever. But Righteous Kill is like they're definitely going to be on screen together for this one, <laughs> and, and 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 the screen will be ablaze. You know, it'll be it'll be incredible. And I remember going to see that with you and us looking it up and seeing who the director was. And I was like, is that the guy that directed that Pacino movie that came out last year that nobody liked? You know, I think, you know, what a responsibility. I think his name's John Abnett. Yeah. And uh, what a responsibility. Like, you're going to have, like, the first real Pacino-De Niro pairing. And they're going to share screen time together. And they're going to play partners. And, you know, we go and see the movie. And we're like, oh, this is just like all those other movies that Pacino's been making for the last 10 years where... Right. You know, spoiler alert, like he's he's the bad guy. Just oh, it was just such a disappointment. Like I said, not terrible, but uh, good Lord. Um, After that, I've I I have vague memories of this movie, but I remember I just wasn't a fan of it was uh, The Merchant of Venice, which is, I believe, 2004, where Al Pacino played Shylock. And 
he doesn't really play Shylock. He plays Al Pacino as Shylock. And it's just an annoying performance. Like, you know, you're hearing this great Shakespeare dialogue and it's, 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 it's even more jarring than Keanu Reeves doing it in what was it? Uh, much, much ado. Much ado. Yeah. Much back ado. in 93. Yeah. Like it's even more jarring to hear like someone like Al Pacino do that kind of dialogue. Um, I have to throw it in. Uh, it's because it was such a low point, even though he, he's not like the star of the movie or really even a supporting character, but uh, Jack and Jill is just, a, <laughs> it's just a disaster, just a disaster that, that, that he would uh, agree to do that. Like clearly, you know, he was he was wanting to get like the grandkid a good Christmas gift or something. Like, I can't I can't fathom like what would even drive him to want to do something like that. And finally, because uh, it's the worst type of, of this movie where he is paired up with somebody and I'm, I'm going to betray you, you know, is uh, the recruit. I, from 2002, I believe. It's just an awful movie. <laughs> All the way around. Just as bland as it gets. I definitely want to come back to your point on Merchant of Venice because I think it's an excellent point that extends even further than Shakespeare for Pacino. But, righteous, so we've got The Recruit, Righteous Kid, or I'm sorry, The Recruit, Merchant of Venice, Righteous Kill, Jack and Jill. God, that's a terrible pack of movies. Isn't that awful? It's really bad. <laughs> like that... <laughs> You want to uh, buy it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because I mean, I'll tell you one thing: most people are gonna look at like uh, Merchant of Venice, Shakespeare, forget it. <laughs> right. Like, like, well, it, well, the baffling thing uh, is, it got pretty decent reviews. It did. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing that's deceiving is like he gets great reviews about Shakespeare on Broadway or in New or on like stage, like stage work with it, even if it's off Broadway. Like Pacino gets rave reviews uh, about his work with Shakespeare. Like he's done everything. Mm-hmm. Like. I think he and Patrick Stewart could actually duel and do every play together, just mixing up the parts between each other, which would be fascinating. But, all right, my Miss Pack, I'm going to start with, this is going to connect to that Merchant of Venice. This is the movie that pretty much like put Pacino in the casket, so to speak, in terms of movies for a good four years. Revolution from 85. Ooh. <laughs> Nice pull. I've seen this on TV. It is dreadful. Um, it, it, it is, the title tells you when it takes place. So there you go. You've got Pacino in, in a period piece. And the fundamental problem with Al Pacino in a period piece is it is not believable that he is from that time period because he sounds just like a 1970s That's New Yorker. Like, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you don't have a guy that sounds like he's from like like uh, from the Bronx or from the, or from Queens or any borough of New York, and from the mid 20th century, they didn't talk like that in New York. <laughs> I, I I you know I've seen enough movies, pal. I know how they talked. You know, I mean, it's obviously no. I don't know for sure, just based on uh, on on reading a little bit and seeing a few movies, but. He sounds just like an anachronism. He he just doesn't fit in a lot of these movies, and that's really the problem. Even that trailer for when for Merchant of Venice, when he does the line like, um, or the God, it's blanking on the line. What is the what's the quintessential line? Is it's is it for is Merchant it, of Venice? Oh, yeah. well, Pound of Flesh. That's it. Yeah, yeah. When he when he busts that out, I'm like, that's just Pacino in makeup and a goofy hat. You know, like that's all that is. And that's why, like, you know, this is just, this was such a miss. And Pacino's 80s run 
pretty much after Scarface is weird because I don't I don't know if it was a, a personal things going on or what, but like he he almost is like done. It it's almost like he's done with movies, and I don't think it's until like Sea of Love where he really busts it out again. Which Sea of Love could easily make a could have made a, a hit pack if he did a second hit pack. Movies like I think like Carlito's Way or Sea of Love they could sneak their way in there very very easily. My next one, I'm right with you with the recruit. I have that, or I should, well, I'll just go and say I have Righteous Kill and the Recruit both on my list as well. They're all right. <laughs> I do have both of those, so um, I don't think there's much more to repeat. I, the Recruit you could easily sub in two for the money. It's the same right. movie. It's the well, same poster. It's the same everything. Well, to to, to get back to what. what, what that whole subgenre of Al Pacino movies we're talking about, for me, it pretty much starts with The Devil's Advocate, where you know he's he has to take on a young protege, and only in this movie he's actually the devil. You know, yeah, he's but, literally uh, evil. He is literally evil. Yeah, he's evil incarnate. And uh, but the difference is, I like The Devil's Advocate. It's a good. Uh, I, it's uh, yeah, I'll just say it. it's a good movie. I think it is a good, strong, it's a good solid movie. movie. And yeah. Yeah. I think it's Taylor Hackford. I think yeah. he did it. Yeah. And uh, I always liked it. I mean, Keanu Reeves, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired. But, I mean, I can look past it. But Pacino's great in it. But they basically made this movie several times with Al Pacino over the years. Like, with The Recruit, Two for the Money. Uh, there's there's, there's one I was even just not trying to think of. It's just like, I, I forget what it is. But, like, they did this, like, four times. And Righteous Kill and is technically one as well. Righteous Kill is one. Yeah, technically. Yeah, it's... It just, and the thing that's weird is no one really talked about it, even at the time, where it's like Pacino just keeps making the same movie. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and it just it just got ridiculous uh, after a while, and you and just end up writing him off. Like I remember how, how unbelievably disappointing it was sitting in in the theater with you, watching Righteous Kill. Yeah, praying, just praying that Al Pacino wasn't the bad guy. I was praying De Niro was actually the villain, and he wasn't. What? It would have been a great little twist, yeah, yeah. because De Niro's the one that's telling the story, and they could have used a whole false narrator, narrator yeah. uh, storyline trope. No, 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 it was the same old crap, and, and it was just infuriating. So uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. The um, the recruit ties in. I the, the this is why I can't put I can't put Scent of a Woman in my hit pack, my fur my primary hit pack because that movie, although gave him an Oscar, it is kind of derailed his career. Like it yeah. became doing that type of movie every single time in a way and maybe that's the I, we don't know why these actors like and Walken can be roped into this with De Niro and Pacino why they kind of went on this semi-autopilot here for the past 10 to 15 years and some of it, it you could easily chalk up to like I get paid this much all I have to do is this for a little bit of time I get to act it's enjoyable for me that's it you know that could be as easy as it, like as simple as it gets because I mean you see their work the amount of intensity they put into it earlier in their career, you know, you can't do that forever. I get it. I mean, it's not like D-Day cranks these movies out. He takes a rest and then recharges as a completely different character every four to five years or so. And he'll be back again. I'm not convinced he's done. Me too. I, I think it just gets to a point where like, the, like there's a, there's a, a modicum of dignity with Daniel Day Lewis though. Like the, he doesn't say yes to everything. He hardly right. says yes to anything. Right. And uh, Al Pacino, it seemed, and, and especially Robert De Niro, it seemed like after a while that they were saying yes to whatever script was laid in front of them. And uh, it's it's just kind of it's just unfortunate. That's all. My final one to round it out. Here's this is another this is another awful movie. And I remember I even had the poster because I was like 
when I was working at a movie theater, I was like, oh, an Al Pacino movie. I want to get the poster for it. Simone. <laughs> Ooh. Or Simone, or however. So one moan. Yeah. Fast food. <laughs> this was 2002. Simone and the Recruit also fall into this category of, okay, they are, they're bad ripoffs of movies that were just recent hits that somebody was like, okay, well, we can do, we can do a takeoff on that and attract a big name actor. Simone is a very easily like a Truman Show offshoot. It's very mm-hmm. similar uh, in some ways. The Recruit, I, I was saying, I was thinking, was very similar to Spy Game, in that same type of movie, except you just do the twist where Pacino brings in his questionable mentor role versus being the Robert Redford role, which was very uh, a very good mentor uh, in a way. But yeah, Simone was terrible, just a terrible movie. Like he he doesn't even look like he's having much fun in there, even in autopilot. He's like, uh, uh. I created my own actress. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Man, it's... His... Yeah. I'm just looking at both our lists, and it's like, Jesus. And there's so many more. You could... Pacino's, like... Because Pacino's got a lot of movies that didn't really make the theater either recently. You know, they're out there. You can find them, I'm sure. Uh, if you go through his IMDb. Yeah, that one I was telling you about earlier today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hangman. Or, oh, God. it's. I read the plot line. I'm like, no, 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 no. That doesn't Rather hang good. myself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, now let's switch to Robert De Niro. Who, De Niro, like, if you're going to say who, if, I think if you put both guys head to head, who wins overall? I think De Niro comes out ahead overall in terms of, He's got more wins. Oh, I think it's a slam dunk. Yeah. I, if, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So his packs are... He's got great highs, but as we're going to find out, he's got some lows. Oh, I'm just looking at my miss pack of it, and I'm like, you know, I would buy this just for the laugh. <laughs> no, I think I would too. <laughs> like, it's it's a pretty entertaining miss pack, uh, to be honest. All right, man. Kick it off. What's your hit pack for Robert De Niro? It's it's so hard, because I think it would be... I think it would be more interesting to do a hit pack with it or, or and a miss pack that didn't feature any Scorsese movies. Yeah. Because well, yeah. It, it's, I think uh, for me, both packs actually have both, um, both of the combination, um, for the hit pack, I try to vary it a little bit. Um, I, two dramas, two kind of two comedies, I guess you could say, but with the dramas, I have to, I have to go with Scorsese. It's just, it's probably, it might be my favorite director actor pairing, um, taxi driver. It's probably my favorite dramatic Robert De Niro performance, um, more so than Godfather 2 or uh, Goodfellas. I, I absolutely love Taxi Driver. It's a phenomenal movie, and it's another one of those movies, and hopefully we'll do an episode sometime down the line. But you know, definitely qu- questionable what won Best Picture over Taxi Driver. I think, you know, not that it didn't deserve it, but, you know, Rocky beat Taxi Driver for Best Picture. And it's like, oh, man, they get, but Network was up that year. That was a very difficult year. So I'd have to throw that in. Uh, after that, uh, for a comedy, I have to put Meet the Parents. Uh, it's a movie that I still watch. I still think it's, it's Robert De Niro's best comedic performance, even more so than his uh, role in Analyze This, which is another movie I really like. Um, it's, it's it's complicated, but but Meet the Parents, he's it, he I really wasn't aware of how funny he could be and intimidating, even in a comedic role. Uh, until that unfortunately 
whenever he makes a comedy, even to this day, it seems like it's more of a takeoff on his Jack Burns role from Meet the Parents, and it lacks the seriousness. You know, like even the sequels to Meet the Parents went completely off the rails. Oh yeah. You know, like I, I always say, like I'll take the I'll take analyze that over the Meet the Parents sequels any day of the week. Yeah. But that first Meet the Parents for me is special. It's really good. Um, I this was difficult for me. I wanted to put I want to put Goodfellas because it's it's definitely my favorite movie that De Niro was ever in. But I just don't think it's a good enough showcase uh, for him, at least. Like he's I'm not that he's not great in the movie, but I mean he's not the focal point. He it. it it's not really his movie, and I think he's been in better things. So I got to go with 1992's uh, Cape Fear. I, I know you haven't seen that, uh, but I love Cape Fear. Uh, it, it can be a little campy at times, but it is a completely unhinged performance from him. And even in a, in a, in a campy sort of way, he is terrifying in that movie. And, uh, I'm, and just always been a fan of that the pairing with nick nolte it's a solid flick and finally in the hit pack uh went with kind of an in-betweener a comedy drama type thing i i went with uh, midnight run i another movie i think you showed that to me uh when we were in college i, I love midnight run and he's he's the that's the most relatable i think he's ever been uh, as a character um jack walsh i think was a, was a character's name it is yeah and yeah, and it's, I mean, it's funny, but but I love where the the humor, instead of like something like Meet the Parents, which is a little bit more of a broad type of humor, like the humor in in Midnight Run strictly comes from the characters and their interactions with each other based on their personality types, and I and it's a which makes it a really interesting character study, you know, it's a I mean it's a it's a it's a buddy movie, but it's a strong movie, and it, and it really. I always have a great feeling of satisfaction after I get done with it. So, yeah, that's my hit pack. I ease like um, Midnight Run is my favorite De Niro movie ever. So that is in there easily. That movie is so good, and I think it's a movie that's it. It finds a new audience. It finds new audiences at a good. It feels like it had a good steady climb all the time. Like I feel like it's one of those movies. Like it's not. It's not the sexiest De Niro movie. Like it all. Every pretty much everything you listed before it, hands down, gets has more name recognition than Midnight Run. But I think like when when people get beyond those and they get to Midnight Run, it's like, damn dude, that movie is stellar. That thing mm-hmm. is stellar. It is one of the best just chase movies. I'll tell you, man. Like as good as much as I like Beverly Hills Cop. I think, uh, oh boy, I forget the director's name off the top of my head, but he... Martin, Martin Brest. Yeah. He really brought it to town with Midnight Run. I think Midnight Run is such a good, underrated De Niro movie, buddy cop, buddy, well, buddy movie, chase movie. It's got an incredible ensemble. It's so good. It is such a good... It's And it's perfectly in that... It, it's an... When you look at where movies went... From Dirty Harry to Forty Eight Hours to to Lethal Weapon, you know, building like with you know either the the antihero cop or the buddy pairing. By the time it gets a Midnight Run, it's it's that perfect next evolution of it. Where it's like, okay, we won't make them cops. We'll do bounty hunter on the run, having to fend off law enforcement, FBI. You've got mobsters. You've got other bounty hunters. It's great. Ah. It's a good pick. 
It's such a mm-hmm. good pick. And I'm I'm always happy that they they've never really pushed through on a sequel because that would be terrible. Just well, it like an official sequel, sure. right? Right. I mean the <laughs> yeah, man. Those those USA things or whatever. You but. know, I have those. Yeah, I want to watch those. I've never seen them. I I love it too because it is the literal definition of budget DVD because it's you know it's three movies. Yeah. With Christopher McDonald and they're all in one DVD. <laughs> it's like the Smokey and the Bandit Pursuit Pack. <laughs> yes, the Pursuit Pack. It's a, it's just like that. It's a, <laughs> so yeah i've got midnight run i've also got meet the parents on mine i opted for that one because i was like i i've watched out a hell of a lot more than analyze this as much I as i too. like analyze this i've watched meet the parents a hundred percent more like i've easily a lot more uh than analyze this so definitely for everything you said the poster alone is perfect for meet the parents yes oh it's brilliant like it's, it tells you everything you need to know. It's everything you need to know. Yeah, he's he's great in that. That's that. and I'll tell you, man. Like when you go when you go through the process of uh, of, of getting married, not too far off. Once you actually get into oh, it, I'm sure pretty close. Like it, it, it was kind of like a new way of. Um, it was kind of like a new father of the bride. Yeah, good in, call. In a, great call. In a way. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a little bit more focused on it's it, you know father of the bride. It's more from the from the father's perspective, and this movie Meet the Parents was more from the groom's perspective. Right, and then I think that's what made it more interesting because you know, like I'm not a father at least not yet, and it's like oh I can understand from the groom's perspective like how much you want to please somebody, and 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 prove that you're good enough for the daughter, and and you know of course for most fathers I I assume no one's good enough for their daughter. And it's and it's such an interesting and inspired pairing. Like Ben Stiller was like that was the best he ever was. Like around that time. I oh think yeah. Right after uh, there's there, something about Mary. Yeah, man, absolutely. I think that is right in his wheelhouse of of goodness. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just a wonderful movie, and I think it was honest. I now that I think of it, I think Meet the Parents was the last time I bought a movie on VHS. For me, yeah, actually, so, ironically, right it was Meet the, the Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of VHS release? I think it was the... If I'm not mistaken, it was one of the last. I think it's one of the last VHS releases. Wow. It, and, and it's unfortunate, too, because I remember they they set up a sequel at the end of Meet the Parents, and, and you're just so excited. You're like, oh, I guess we're just going to have to meet his parents. And you're like, oh, my God. I, you know, I love this movie. I want us, I want them to make a sequel. Who could play his parents? You know, like... like just, I'll tell you who I wanted. That. I wanted Walken and Meryl Streep to be his parents because I thought it would have been an Walken. awesome Deer Hunter reunion. <laughs> See, that would have been cool. I remember thinking, like, I didn't know who I wanted for the mother, but I knew I wanted Jerry Stiller. I of course. Was, of, ex- yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wanted his real dad <laughs> to play and, and, and not be, like, a character. I wanted Frank. And that's the thing, though. <laughs> exactly. <It's> like, you... <laughs> I thought it would be such a great idea. And, and even, like, I should have been so much more excited because, like, oh, Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand. I was like, that's awesome. But at the same time, I was like, oh, it's kind of a letdown. But I always, man, those sequels, um, you know, because the first movie – it's interesting how much we're almost reviewing Meet the Parents now, but the first movie is so good because it it walks the fine line between relatable and and absolutely ludicrous, and it doesn't quite go over the line. It like, it feels like it does, but like that movie is rooted in some t- form of realism where I could believe that these things happen, and then the sequels completely threw that out the window and just went com- you know all out ridiculous. With, uh, you know, true CBS sitcom level of, of stupid comedy. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Not that I don't like the sequels. Like the sequels are okay. Like sometimes, like I can I can watch them. But that first movie, I could pop that in right now and have a ball. Oh yeah, easily just for the volleyball scene alone. Oh, like, the, oh. <laughs> I, I love that because that would be Nero, me easily. Like, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's like that's that's what was so great about that movie. I that's me. That would be me. You know, like completely freaking out in an airport. I, like oh, that's absolutely me. But I, I love the way it ends with De Niro, like giving him the human lie detector test at the airport. And Ben Stiller actually shows nice little dramatic chops there about how much uh, he loves Pam. Yeah. And it's a great little dialogue. It's it, I really like looking back on that movie was a huge hit when it came out. But you don't hear the, you don't hear it talked about all that much anymore, at least in terms of like, oh, the great comedies of like the last 20 years or something. But it's up there, man. I, it's it's damn near perfect. Yeah, it. I remember the month it came out. It came out like the same weekend as uh, Remember the Titans. So it happened so many times because we were busy as heck because both those movies were huge in their opening weeks. And so many times people would come up and say, like, yeah, I want one for Remember the Parents or Meet the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> remember the Parents. <laughs> I kind of want to see that. <laughs> De Niro is giving the entire team the lie detector test. <laughs> Did you inflate the football? <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, meet the parents. Definitely on their midnight run. I put, I, I'm, I'm, instead of Taxi Driver for me, I have Raging Bull. Like, and I don't think okay, you can go. That's, see, that's yeah, it's one or the other, man. Yeah. I mean, those, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's it's a performance that I'm. I mean it, it pretty much def- redefined method acting. Like there was an idea of what method oh. acting was with Brando. After that movie, it became that set the bar of all right. I got to get fat for a movie. I got to so I'll win an award. That's <laughs> 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 what it is. You know, got to get fat for a movie. I'm the greatest actor ever. Right, and I mean like after after but that for movie, a time, De Niro was yeah. <laughs> I mean, he and he kills it in that movie. Like every everything about it, he just dominates it. The supporting cast too can't can't undersell that with uh, Pesci and uh, Moriarty. Yeah, I. The reason too, like I mean, I, I get that like in recent years, Scorsese with DiCaprio has been is is great and all, but Scorsese's themes have been pretty consistent over the years. They're about obsession, what obsession does to a man, how it can drive them to a certain like insanity and everything de niro played with that the best de niro was oh, always agree. the, like, the and best that would be that. an interesting topic of conversation maybe we'll have that off air but like comparing the de niro score uh scorsese movies to the scorsese dicaprio movies yeah. because um, i mean i i'm uh, like just without really thinking about it I, i'm with you but i am a huge fan of his pairings with leonardo dicaprio also yeah and i mean like like Wolf of Wall Street, like if I if I'd pair him off, like all right, what did De Niro do with Scorsese that can counter Wolf of Wall Street? Well, he could you could easily put, even though it's again not him leading it. Goodfellas could would beat that, I think head to head. Well, Goodfellas beats everything. Dude. Probably. Oh <laughs> heck, I mean, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, or Goodfellas could pretty much wipe the floor. Like if they're like the shield uh, of Scorsese movies, like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> my fourth one, like I said, if if earlier I'd said I had heat in there, and I can leave it in there, but I think I'm gonna call an audible because I thought about it and I was like, there, it, 
as much, and it, you could leave it in there and it's fine, okay? Heat is fine for De Niro as well, because he's really, really strong as the villain of the movie, like as the anti-hero, so to speak, like he's really, really strong. But I think to really show something completely different compared to all of those movies, I'm going to go with Awakenings. Oh, oh, good. Because I couldn't figure out a way to get Awakenings into mine. It's, oh, I'm so glad you picked that. It's I My mom showed it to me, and I was blown away. I had no idea. Because I had, every De Niro thing I'd seen was from Midnight Run, you know, all the uh, parts of the Deer Hunter, uh, that which, you know, very easily could have been on a hit pack for him, but awakenings was so different because it's so tender. It's such a, it? mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's painful to watch him like in that catatonic state to where he can't do anything. And Robin Williams is fantastic. God. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's, uh, that has got to be one of the most underrated movies. Absolutely. Um, n- nobody, Nobody talks about uh, Awakenings anymore. You know, who, uh, your mom showed you Awakenings. Uh, Casey showed me Awakenings. Oh, cool. And because I had seen a, I had seen bits of it when I was a kid and I just kind of fluffed it off. And then she told me, she's like, oh, no, you would love this movie. This is amazing. And I was like, OK. And it was like five dollars, like on Blu-ray or something. And dude, it's like I come back to that. I, I only can I can only do it every couple of years because I, I genuinely like <laughs> get sad watching uh that movie and, and and yeah it's a very tender movie and uh is it julie kavner that plays uh i think it's julie kavner who plays uh robin williams's love interest yeah uh, in the right. movie and, and his relationship with her and the fact that and then when you start reading about it, when you go into it about the, the fact that that was based on a true story and and how unbelievably sad it is and de niro i remember reading a lot of reviews that um, that actually criticized his performance in the movie because they, I, I think, I swear, I think it's simply because they couldn't believe that Robert De Niro um, could play a part like that. You know, they're like, oh, you know, it's it's kind of hammy. We you know what he's doing. Like it's clearly acting and stuff. And I'm like, oh no, like not at all. It's it's perfect for him. It's, and and, and yeah. especially to see someone. Like my last point I'll make about it, especially to see someone like Robert De Niro, who is one of the most powerful screen presences like of all time in a completely vulnerable state and vulnerable role where he has to he's, – he's on full display in, in that movie. Most of that movie, I think he's sitting down. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and it's just, that's not what I'm used to with Robert De Niro. It's such a good call. It's such a great movie, man. I'm, I'm glad you picked it. Yeah. Um. I forget also it's a Penny Marshall movie, which is fascinating yes, because like mm-hmm. I, I know like a league of their own, that's pretty iconic for her. Like it's pretty iconic just, and especially nowadays, like it's a movie I'm sure will get another new wave of popularity with the times that we're in now with me too and everything. Sure. It will get another wave of that, but I, well, she I, did big too also, didn't she? I think so. Yeah. 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 She did big. Yeah. She, she, she had a good string of movies. Oh yeah, definitely. This is one that's like it, it just not heralded enough, and and it, and also like yeah, screw Patch Adams. I'd rather go watch Robin Williams in, Awak- in Awakenings easily. Oh no, it's not even a competition. Do you remember <laughs> they, they 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 backdoor tried to remake this with that really bad movie at first sight with Val Kilmer and Mira Sorvino, where it's the same sort of thing. Where except it, in this case, he's really just he's he's blind, and they're like, okay, we've got this thing that'll fix it, and now you'll be able to see. But of course it 
goes bonkers for, for like a week. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like they give, I remember, yeah, cause they give Robert De Niro, you know, his life back and then to see it slowly being taken away from him is just, just awful. Yeah. And, and he's a perfect actor for that movie. It really is like that. That's one like if I would have loved to have seen him win for that movie because I think he was nominated. I yeah. want to say he was nominated for that. Uh, I think the movie had three nominations. I think it even had a Best Picture nod. But um, 1990, I mean, was a monster. Tough year. year. Tough year. You We're talking? Yeah. Goodfellas, Dances with Wolves, Ghost. I mean, like that movie was. Or the, sorry, that year was loaded. Isn't God? When's Godfather three? That that's the other one. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The, the shoe in Oscar nomination. Right. Know, oh well, you know, Godfather. III. I'll tell you, man, that could have easily been a, a Pacino miss. As much as Godfather, Godfather really? two could have been a hit. Oh yeah, easily you could put that in there. Because I mean, I'm and I'm again as we talk about with a miss pack, like it doesn't mean it's awful. It's really like ah, you're, it's not one you're gonna put in. You, you're not gonna watch that before the other two. Never. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. no. One thing I love is like, like it seems like every month AMC does Godfather Week, and uh, it's it's just hilarious. It's like spend Thanksgiving with the Godfather, you know, like like and I'm like the the first American Family or whatever, and they never put the third one in there, ever. And I'm like, really? It's been like 28 years. You guys haven't gotten the rights yet. <laughs> you know, it was like in like what like in 2011 or 2012 you would still see rocky marathons that would exclude rocky balboa and you're like it's been six years what are you doing heck there's you some know? that even exclude rocky five sometimes just like yeah I, no, I, th- that's kind of what they do now <laughs> they go from four right to six yeah yeah but godfather three like you know because it's like yeah i mean one and two gotta watch them back to back gotta but you know i like seeing the third one every now and then you know it's because i mean it has moments yeah of course oh uh, yeah yeah, absolutely but in terms of being a letdown yeah i often wonder how how if it would have been any better had winona Ryder gotten that part well that would have helped part of it that's for sure that would have helped (laughs) that's a big part of it yeah it's a and it is okay Yeah. yeah definitely but 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 you're right though. Like that's you know you got De Niro or sorry De Niro. You got Pacino doing the shouty performance. It's and, starting. Uh, yep, it hasn't quite its scent of a woman, but it's starting. Sea well, of Love really is well, the. Well, well, hold on. You, you, the same year, man, 1990. He does have a shouty performance. In fact, he was nominated in 1990 for this performance uh, for Dick Tracy as uh, Big Boy Caprice. <laughs> he he gets a little shouty even in that role. <laughs> I like that movie though. I do like oh, that. Dick Tracy's awesome. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like Dick Tracy? I hope I that is never touched for a remake. I hope they never tap that for a remake. They never. I don't think you could ever copy like just. It's one of my favorite directed comic book movies. Like the it's, like, it's because uh, it actually looks like a comic book. I mean, <laughs> I mean so everything cool. about that movie. That is an underrated movie. It's underrated. Yeah, it really is. It, it, it kind of surprised me too because. Uh, you know, like as a kid, it was required watching. It was, uh, you know, you watch Batman 89 and then you watch Dick Tracy because it's, it, it, they feel like they're cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Uh, in a weird way. And they go really well together. That's, that's a great two pack. And you've got those fantastic songs by Stephen Sondheim. Oh my God. Yeah. The I remember, songs are so good. I remember, I remember Amanda was using it for an audition piece and I heard it and I was like, that's familiar. And I was like, and I look, I grabbed the sheet. Piece, was it was the like, Mandy Patinkin piece? 
It it's was the it, it was sooner or later. It was the Madonna. Oh, sooner or later is the best song. It's so yeah. good. God, man, that's a monster movie. If if we do Beatty, like that's gonna be hard not to have in there. Well, that'd probably be my favorite Beatty movie. To be completely honest, because I used to watch that all the time as a kid. Yeah, I I think that might top Town and Country. Might has a chance. (laughs) Oh, the just for the Beatty mispack. Oh, Town and Country. (laughs) Good God, you gotta include that first time. I was ever aware of what a flop was. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this movie cost $40 million opening it, weekend. If you did million. Beatty, you've got to include that. What is it? Breaking all the rules or whatever that stupid Howard Hughes movie he did. That new one. <laughs> that thing is, that thing looked awful. Wow. Yeah. yeah Beatty hasn't, Beatty hasn't done anything good in a while. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> all right, man. So let's, let's do, this is the one we kind of waited building for, towards is the oh, mispack for De Niro. Oh, it's. I'll just start off with it's pretty bad when the best movie in your miss pack is Showtime. I love it, you Showtime, because I I audible that today when I, after I talked to you, I was like, oh 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 oh, oh. yeah, it's Show- got to be Showtime. Yeah, like and and and, it's, oh. and for people that don't remember, <laughs> so this is a this is a buddy movie from 2002 with Robert De Niro and Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy. This was, this came out during this weird time period where he did nothing but buddy movies. Uh, like, I mean, he did like I spy. He, I mean, he kept trying to get like a new franchise going. It seemed like for himself and it just wouldn't work. Now the thing about Showtime, I thought it was interesting was there was a lot of hype behind Dude, this movie. movie looks brilliant before you see it. Like oh, the trailer was great. Yeah. Um, the way they the way they advertise it was really interesting. They said it's going to do for buddy movies what Scream did for horror movies. That's what they said. Like it was going to take the trope of the buddy movie and flip it on its head. Because you got Eddie Murphy as like a reality TV star, and he's teaming up with basically Jack Walsh. <laughs> you know? Really? Like, yeah. That's that's what it is. And Rene Russo's in it, and William Shatner is going to be a self aware buddy movie. And you're like De Niro and Eddie Murphy. Like how could this miss? Like this sounds amazing, and it's okay. And uh, the box office was even worse. I mean, it was just a disaster, basically. Yeah. And I still haven't seen it since the theater. Um, I haven't either. You're right. Ago. Yeah. Yeah, because it just it just left a, such a sour taste in my mouth. Very um, underwhelming. And, I'm right with you on that. The last, I, I, so I don't have to say it later. I'll just say it now. That's what ahead of its time because live. Yes. That's basically live PD now. Is yep. that is that sh- is that movie? They're solving a case like with cameras rolling. So ahead of it its time. It was an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah like it, it piggybacked off of the ideas of the Truman Show and Ed TV. And it took advantage of Robert De Niro's newfound uh, career in comedy after Analyze This and Meet the Parents. I think, yeah, so 2002, that was always the year where we pinpointed that Robert De Niro just said, I don't care anymore. Right. Uh, you know, that's where Analyze That came out. Although I am a fan of that movie. I do like Analyze That, but. The, what's that other one? C- City by the Sea? Oh or, yeah. Oh, see, yeah. Oh, like, God, that movie crap sucks. Like that. <laughs> that crap movie like sucks. Because I mean, like again, the poster was like Academy Award winner De Niro, Academy Award winner Francis McDormand, Golden Globe winner James Franco. James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the most uh, filthy human being? He is so dirty in that movie. Like he is looks filthy. Like he needs a shower. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll save this one for later because I think we can have a good discussion about it. What a piece of crap this thing was. Hide and Seek from 2005. Oh, yes. This movie <laughs> sucked. 
there, there's no way around it. And I remember watching it at my friend Kyle's house, and he'd rented it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Dakota Fanning, you know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was in everything. Like, like there, there was this whole trope that I came up with back then, which was, is there any A-list actor who hasn't played her father yet? Right. Like, like yeah. everyone played her father back then. And this movie was so bad. And um, so the movie ends and it's like, well, what are the special features? And there are, I'm not even exaggerating, I think seven alternate endings. Is there really seven? I thought there were at least three. I didn't it's, know there were seven. I might be blowing this up, but I recall, I remember, I, I seem to remember it being six or seven because I watched them all. And let's face and, it, if you have any more than two... Oh, you got a real problem. Yeah. Like there's a there's a script issue. Like there's there's imagine if there were like six alternate endings to the sixth sense. You know, it's like something. somebody like in post was like, you know, I've seen that movie Clue. We could do that. <laughs> <laughs> but that was part of the joke. Right. Like like that was so good. Um no, that movie is, is terrible. All right. I'll I'll do this one now. Let's so we can talk about it a little bit more because you you uh you 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 brought up some interesting points. Um, I absolutely hate New York, New York, uh, with from 1977 with Martin Scorsese. I believe it was their second movie together after uh, Mean Streets. Um, be, being forced to watch this in a film class, and you're like, "Oh, it's Robert De Niro and Scorsese. It's awesome." And Liza Minnelli, and it's it's just, and, you know, maybe it's because it's just not what I expected. You know, it's it's such a different type of movie, and I. Man, I, I just I just couldn't take it. I, it was painful for me to watch. Now, you were saying something about you were listening to a podcast. Yes, uh, Cinephile, Adnan Verk movie podcast, man. He breaks it down beautifully. He broke down New York, New York in a way that like I I, I hadn't thought about it. Like, I hadn't seen it. I haven't seen it since 01. Um, I just yeah. remember that because that's when I was in college seeing it when we, were, we had to do Raging Bull, and then we watched that. And it, it really was like, oh, like it, it's important. It is foolhardy to try and watch uh, New York, New York after any of the Scorsese like major hits. It's a bad idea because it it's not going to come close. But like it does touch on some interesting things, like about like like De Niro's jealousy. You know, kind of like his he's a bad dude at times, but like he th- there's this, this inexplicable thing about him that we love at the same time. But it is overall, like, it is a miss. Like, it is a movie that doesn't fully work. It's got some good things going on in it. But it is, like, man, like, it's it's definitely one of the Scorsese ones where it's, like, unless, like, you're a real Scorsese mark, you're not, you probably should avoid it. You know? You really should. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, because I've seen all their pairing movies. And um, that's the only one I didn't like. It's the only one. And, and, it, and it hurt that there, for me, that there was, like, a blemish like because when i think of like of all the other ones they're at least an eight or higher at least and and then there's this movie which just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb and yeah maybe there, it's worth a, a revisit sometime down the road when you know, with my expectations in check because you know like i was so conditioned at that point when i saw it which was probably 10 or 15 years ago where i was like i see those two names on a poster or or whatever i'm expecting just a great movie you know so and they have another one coming out, which maybe we can wrap up the episode with that. Yeah. Because um, that is an anticipated movie, if there ever was one. Yeah. But I've saved the quote-unquote best for last. Uh, 
And I'd like to preface this by saying I like to pride myself as someone who can sit through anything. I can watch any movie. It doesn't matter how bad it is. I will force myself to finish it all the way through. And I intend to do this with this movie at some point. But after an hour, I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it because of how angry it made me. And I'm talking about 2016's Dirty Grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling this one was on your list. I had a feeling. This is by far the worst. There's nothing that can come even remotely close to how awful this movie is uh, and how embarrassing it is. I think like, Robert De Niro should just be ashamed of himself <laughs> like, to do to do this movie. It's it, first of all, I mean, right off the bat, it feels like a movie that should have came out 20 years ago. You know, it has that kind of feel to it and it feels late to the party. It's like it's, it goes for shock humor. It uh, it goes for for lame, lame jokes like, oh, he's the grandpa that has a dirty mind. <laughs> you know, it just no, that doesn't that doesn't work anymore. Uh, it, it, it follows that same stigma where it's either a bad something or a dirty something like there are so many of these damn things like, you know, bad Santa, which I love, started this whole thing. You know, we got bad grandpa, bad teacher, bad words bad wives i don't know like it just and well let's but how about he's dirty he's just a dirty grandpa <laughs> yeah and and zach efron who you know he's when i think of him it's just like this is a guy that i think like really could just take off if he had the right movie if he just had it like he could he could he has a, he has that leonardo dicaprio quality but almost every movie i've seen him in it's just terrible. <laughs> like, 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 I can't really think of anything um, that uh, that he's done that's impressed me. But this movie, far and away, is is just a blemish on both of their careers. And sadly, though, it's it's mainly on De Niro's. And you know, I read about kind of what happens later in the movie, and it's typical. It's it's the same. Like, oh, he actually does have something to offer the grandson in terms of wisdom. I don't care. Right. I, yeah. There are so many movies that do this and do it better. Hell, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, like off the top of my head, I'm like way better. Like, I, but it's uh, it's it's not good. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's my mispack. Showtime, New York, New York, hide and seek, and Dirty Grandpa, and I would buy that for nine ninety nine right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing pack. <laughs> I I definitely I have. I had mentioned I have Righteous Kill. It's it's bad enough for De Niro to own it, too. It's bad enough, absolutely. You're, you're just going to put it over there, too? Yep, it's on there. <laughs> and I've got Showtime, because uh, like I said, that was a last-minute one I added for reasons we talked about. Yeah. <clears throat> the other two I've got are both from 2001. Because, man, he really did just dip right into the crap. Right after... Once the once the uh, after meet the parents, it was like, all right, guys, you thought that was good. <laughs> well, might might want to stick to that because <laughs> here it comes. Uh, Fifteen minutes. Oh, that's about how long he's in the movie. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man, I remember the previews for this. Like I was looked awesome. Yeah, I was pretty pumped for it. I did not know a lot about Ed Burns, but I was like, all right, De Niro's in it. De Niro's the cop. We've got a we got some guys that are filming murders and are going to sell it for a million dollars and then plead temporary insanity to get off on the charge, which I think to a lot of people sounded completely implausible. Probably Once true. again, yeah. ahead of its time. Yeah. It Again, it, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Uh, De Niro doesn't make it an hour into this movie. 
I'm gonna yeah, say we didn't know that. No, when he dies, the movie dies. Like the movie, because the other thing what's weird is like Ed Burns plays a fire marshal, and it gets to a point where it's like, why is he investigating this? Like, how could he be investigating this? Like, I I work with fire marshals. They, they don't. They, this is not the kind of case that they're on at all. Absolutely not. So like it's it kind of gets ridiculous. Um, it, it does touch on things that are obviously still relevant today, but man, oh man, it really is a, it's even with De Niro in it, the movie is still, it's still fighting from behind. Um, yeah, I've never revisited it. Uh, and it, and it's really, and, and they make the De Niro death extremely unpleasant. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's really is a punch in the gut to anyone who's, uh, who's watching it. It's terrible. Man, that thing sucked. And then um, from the same year, like this was this was a late edition. I actually had hide and seek in for a while, and before we started, like <laughs> what's I, worse than that? I went through his filmography, and like this is one that's just so disappointing. It's the score. Oh, Brando's last movie, right? It's I think so. This is yeah, a movie Edward that on Norton. the poster, like I remember, people were pumped about this movie because if you looked at the poster, it's like each of these guys could be considered the best actor of their generation, and they're all in one yep. movie directed by Yoda. Perfect. <laughs> the movie's far from it. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but the, the movie just it just never really gets off the ground and is really like hitting on all cylinders. Um, it, I think it was the same year David Mamet had Heist that came out, which bad. Not, not gonna, yeah. Uh, comparing both of them, like they're both pretty weak. I think Heist ekes out the win, but not Maybe. by much. I always remember one review for Heist from the TV spot. It was it has more twists than a bag of pretzels. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many lines in that movie that are just they're kind of they're cringeworthy. Oh uh, yeah, but the score just represented again like uh, these. This started this run, it felt like, this and a couple other movies. It was this run of De Niro movies where it's like, all right, I'll just, uh, you know, my name with a couple other names, you know, plot can be so-so, but, you know, it'll be a nice little paycheck, nice little bump at the box office, but that was not really the case. Like, more and more, and you go through his list, like, movies like Godsend. Oh, I, dude, I almost put that one on. The, uh, I'd, I'd no. forgotten about that movie. Um, it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just go through this and I mean, one that I'm glad we both left off because it'd be just easy picking would be Rocky and Bullwinkle. Absolutely not. No, (laughs) I have seen it. Just, it's not even worth mentioning. (laughs) I actually forgot about it until I was going through the filmography and I was like, oh, they did do that. That was awful. (laughs) See, yeah, man, the score, Righteous Kill, Showtime, 15 minutes. I mean, like, oh, my God. When I just look at that, I'm like, man, that if you charge any more, if you charge any more than five for that, I'm sorry. That's going to, you'd have to put that under the jacket and sneak out the door. Hey. <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's not to say that, uh, you know, because like their careers just haven't been the same in so long. But I will say, I think De Niro um, has the edge over the last 15 years because, he occasionally will, will delivers a good performance in a supporting role. Yeah, you know, like uh, whether it's 
usually it's David O. Russell, I believe. Yeah, like, that's uh, that's what I was going to add on to that. The David O. Russell pairing has yeah. benefited him greatly. Yeah, like I'm not a big fan of Silver Lining's playbook really at all, but I love Robert De Niro in that movie. He is so good and very much deserved an Oscar nomination for that. And then uh, he has been in American Hustle. Is, is also really good. Now, Pacino, when I think of like his, his latter-day work, it seems like his niche now is just to play every controversial figure like, in a TV movie. Oh, yeah. I'm gl- can we Have you seen the trailer for Paterno? I have not, but if, if there is one out there, I will definitely check it's it out. It's terrible. Like, I watched oh, it. no. It's terrible because it's, it's just Pacino in makeup. Like, he's not doing anything really different. Like, he... To me, like the I jokingly I put this out on Twitter was that the the line between Coach D'Amato from Any Given Sunday and Paterno is just six inches wide. Like it is six inches. Like they're the the one. There's not much difference between either one. They're both very very much the same. Oh man. Um. I but at the same time, like I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets nominated for a Globe or an Emmy. It's just it looks like it's just hunting every single time like all right well I'll just i'll throw on the makeup i'll do the voice thing yell a few times and you guys will love it right that's it that's all we really need <laughs> so yeah that's that one's not fun to talk about now the irishman what you were alluding to earlier that mm-hmm. is fun to talk about because it's a high risk high reward kind of netflix thing it's got all the power behind it of scorsese de niro pacino and others like pesci Keitel, maybe in it i don't know but golly yeah. man that thing's it's, got some it's, power and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a Netflix movie, which is just an insane thought um, that all that talent is gonna be. Really, that's just how big Netflix has gotten. Yeah, yeah, that they're gonna debut that movie on that platform because this is this is a movie that I would go see in the theater, like easily. Oh and, yeah, and and here we are like talking about it. Like one movie we didn't mention, uh, you know, because I believe this is gonna be the first time. Yes, it's the first time De Niro has teamed up with Scorsese since Casino. Yeah. Casino yeah. was an interesting one. Casino was one I thought about. Like, it's a good, it is a really good De Niro performance. It doesn't always get a lot of love, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a great Pesci performance. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the only real problem I found with Casino is that it lives in Goodfellow's shadow. Yeah. Like that's really the only thing that holds it back because I love Casino. I, I I enjoy that movie more and more every time I see it, but it'll never be Goodfellas. Yeah, it just yeah. it just it just can't even. Talk. I mean, but I mean, in all honesty, so few movies can get anywhere as close to how wonderful I think that movie is. Yeah. So yeah, but this will be exciting. Like like this was I you know Al Pacino in a Scorsese movie. Like maybe we can get something good out of him. At Pesci is, I mean he. He's pretty much like semi-retired. Uh, he hasn't, at least, he hasn't been an active actor since I believe the late '90s. Yeah. So yeah, it'll it, it'll be great to see him come back. I mean, the only one, the only person that's missing from this party is Ray Liotta. <laughs> right. Or DiCaprio. Or DiCaprio, you know, which DiCaprio was rumored at least at one point I remember, and it was like, wouldn't that be great if you could get De Niro and and DiCaprio in in a Scorsese flick? Yeah. But I guess it's just not to be. Um. All right, man. That was fun to go through. That really was. It was a good time to hit, to hit up on Pacino and De Niro with the hip pack, miss pack. I, you know, going through, I was like, oh, well, we'll see how this goes. Maybe we'll do another one. We'll definitely do another one. I will figure out 
um, another actor or actors or actresses uh, to hit as well um, in this type of thing. You got any got any plugs? Got anything you recommend? Anything I recommend? Like, uh, well, yeah. in terms of movies, no, because everything I've seen lately has been awful. <laughs> but uh, all right, no, 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 <laughs> like, no plugs. Uh, the Oscars are this Sunday, so you know we'll definitely be checking that out. I, I don't need to plug that, but uh, no, nothing from me. Cool. All right, the only thing I got is go to flickfans.net, check out their site. They've got great content. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to write for them a little bit. I just did. I got. I got to. I got to review Bloodsport thirty years later, which was a blast. Because yeah. uh, Bloodsport's good. It's fine. I mean, it's a fine little movie. Like, there's not. I, if you're expecting any more than what it is, then you're will be sorely disappointed. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing here? Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I felt like two out of two out of, two and a half out of five is fair. Like, it's a it's a fine it's movie. Fine. There are plenty of movies though. I, plenty of movies like that that I would rate higher than that easily. But it's fine. Good time. Um, but yeah, go to the site flickfans.net. A lot of good content. Either it's uh, some retro reviews, current opinions. I really like doing my little my my. It'll be coming back with another uh, rendition later. It's the underappreciated. I did the replacements recently. I'm thinking about doing Grumpy Old Men because I think it's a great underrated, more and more underrated comedy from the 90s uh, that I'd love to get more into. So that's what we've got going there. You know, on Twitter, you can always, you can tweet us your hit pack or miss pack for De Niro and Pacino. You know, those guys, they could pretty much kill off their first names and be you know, nobody would know the difference. Like, oh, oh that's De Niro. De Niro. That's Pacino. That's I used it. to get them mixed up as a kid. Yeah. But, you know, well, now when I look back, I'm like, oh, they couldn't be anymore. Hey, there's that Bob Pacino. <laughs> Bobby. But uh, definitely tweet us your hip pack, mess pack, if you want to. Um, we're at Real Change Pod. And please, if you can, if you haven't already, go by iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a review. That helps us get the word out on the podcast. I myself, I'm at William Rinkin 83. I'm at CM underscore stabs. And we'll see you guys next time. It'll likely be for uh, when did that come out, but we'll announce it on Twitter. What's coming out next? Give me all you got! Give me all you got!